again right here on Y2K plus 12, heading to the end of this Y2K plus 12. And he can strike a total man's name and doing the title of the show. Dr. Gary Popley uh, with us on this show here as we wind up the last three Thursdays of December. I was told, I was thrown, I admit it. What am I going to do? from Hamilton City, from Othello, and into every bordello. Boy, things things can change very quickly in life. You know, you snap your finger. Everything, the best laid plans of mice and men, it was all happening based on, and this is, you know, this is one of the reasons why I, I abhor preparation. Because no matter what you do, uh, most of the time, uh, no, not most of the time, I don't even have a statistic for this. Boy, did I just flood the sound caverns of the of the recording. So whoever's picking this up here right now based on a recording and not listening live, I hope you're listening live, 148.ca slash O-N-E or get to any of the other stations that are running the show live. You could get that at catolochronicles.blogspot.com. We've had a number of different glitches over the past couple of weeks based on some technical uh, adjustments and some new software. It's never not hardware, software. The hardware is fine. And then somewhere along the line, I, I create this incredible opening and it just disappears because I'm not, as I said, I'm not, I'm not one of those geeks. And, and I was thinking about that too. I was thinking about if somebody heard, I didn't know me, just met me and said, Oh, you do radio, internet radio? Are you one of those radio geeks? You know, and, and I've never been a radio geek. Maybe in the beginning, the very, very beginning, very, very beginning as opposed to the beginning or the very beginning, the very, very beginning. Maybe I was a geek when I, when I first started to play DJ, but I was so young, you know, and I just, get a little record player and uh, try to do all that. Well, you don't know what a record... You have no idea what I'm talking about, most of you, in this fine new millennium. <laughs> I was never a radio geek, even when I was in professional radio. And I knew so many geeks. Special types of people who are uh, completely absorbed in the, the, the mechanism and the atmosphere... And the, the, all the, the minutia of radio. That was never me. I was always, and that has to do with everything I've ever done, including uh, art, including music, including acting. Um, I, I was never into the minutia. I was always into the performance, the raw performance. Never, and that was one thing. At one time, I was uh, a kid who was a, so scared, so afraid of almost everything 
that I and I learned. You know how I learned? I learned by falling on my face, and I fell on my face, and I went, "You know what? That ain't so bad." <laughs> you get up and do it again. So it was nothing to be afraid about. And once the fear is gone, in terms of all this stuff, you are uh, you're just a, you know you're a tightrope walker without a net. You just don't care because you know you're not going to fall. But you do make mistakes, and as adversity uh, addresses uh, presents itself, you just overcome it. Uh, but I was never one of these geeks, and there were so many geeks. I don't even want. I don't want to mention names because it's gonna it'll kind of be it, uh, it'll kind of be detrimental. <laughs> and that's kind of ju- it's not even judgmental. There's a certain type of person. There was a certain type of person in the radio industry at one time. This type. And there were so many of these people, and they were they were into the minutia, they were into the sound, they were into the the statistics. And when it came to music, there were things, uh, there were rules and regulations uh, that were, I mean, my rules that were written down, not things that you you had to do or you get arrested or get a ticket. Uh, but there were there was just a certain way of doing it, or to do it right. And, uh, and get on microphone. And these, and I want to say something about these people, though, for their own, uh, in their defense. They were very good at what they did. They were very good at learning the minutiae. They were very good at mixing records and, uh, and, and doing the news and having that, that voice that we all remember. And a lot of them went into talk radio, of course, but they were very good, these geeks, at what they did at that. But they, but they had no, they had no pizzazz. And they had no, they had no stuff. They had no, they had no, they had no guts. Okay, they were, they were just, they were robotic in their brilliance. And they were brilliant robots. They didn't have, they didn't have the uh, uh, the panache. Okay, so they weren't really good in terms of performing, and they performed the technical. Radio duties very well, but they but if they were stuck or something got in the way, they fell apart because it didn't go A B C D E F G. And life is like life does not go A B C D F G. Life goes A B F K L. What happened? I was going along fine. Okay, start again, right? You start again. A B C D E F J K L M Y. What happened? You know. And you got to get used to the fact that the alphabet's going to jump around in life because, uh, you know, you expect it to go as smoothly as A through Z. Uh, you got some problems. But that's what people want to do because they feel they have the control and what have you. Maybe we'll talk to Dr. Popoli about some of that as we get him. Now, here's another technical glitch. And this might not – I shouldn't even say this because maybe it doesn't mean anything. We're not going to be using our Skype on this show. We're going to be getting Dr. Popoli, who's an old analog dog like me, on the phone. But this new stream, the new quality, the upgraded quality of the stream that is coming through now when we do this show uh, through the facilities of of SRN, through IceCast and all this stuff, should actually make up for however uh, different it sounds on the phone as opposed to Skype. Gary, of course... You know, don't, uh, Gary, I call him Gary, should call him Dr. Popoli, should have some respect, right? Dr. Popoli should be able to get himself, you know, a mic and get Skype and download it. What's the big deal? (laughs) He'll figure it out 
one of these days. So again, I'm stuck with this various different type of uh, of format, but it's okay because I, as I said, not all, uh, I got I got very complacent in being able to do the things the way I did them, and I should have known something was going to going to screw that up. And then last year, when we started the show in 2012, we changed the whole beginning anyway. So we are, you know, we're in a completely, excuse me, we're in a completely different platform. And that's okay, because the life of this show is, in a sense, you know, it has its own life. And this is how life goes. And this is where you are Right now, my name is Frank Cotolo, and the man whose name I'm doing is the title of the show. This is Cotolo Chronicles Y2K plus 12, only for a while. I think there's three more. There's next time we're on after this. And then after that is our last, there's two more times, just next week. And then the after the Christmas, we come on with the Bone Garden. Roll call from the Bone Garden. And it's been cleared. So I think that's the 27th. I, I did have that down here. Oh, geez, I couldn't play that other thing I wanted to. Well, what the heck with that? 27th, a Thursday. Roll call from the Bone Garden right here. And we'll be talking uh, about me and the Artist D. Still on Sundays, the Artist D. But we'll be here with me for a tribute to the countless celebrities of all facets of public life, not just singers and dancers and stuff, all facets of, of public life. The uh, debt will be roll call. We'll be giving you the roll call of those who uh, died, and we're just not going to hear from anything new. Well, you might hear something new, but not from them. Okay, so we got that going on. What else have we got going on? We got the we got the books, which I keep telling you about because it is Christmas, and you can get some uh, good deals on the old uh, Catola books. Uh, uh, they, these are books that never really get old, though, ultimately, if you think about it. And you don't think about it. I know you don't think about it. Because if you did, let's see. And we could do this, though. I, I did manage I did manage to do get some of this stuff, the ability to do some of this stuff. So let's talk about this. Let's just do this book thing again and we'll come back. In a world where reading is dying out. A new champion emerges. Wacky escapades. Parallel universes. Hello, everyone. This is me, Frank Catolo. There's never a dull moment as Frank weaves a tale of a writer making you laugh, chuckle, and learn a bit about life. Pick up License to Scale by Frank Catolo. Now on Amazon for your Kindle. So you're getting a Kindle. And the Kindle's free. You could download the Kindle thing and get to get it that way also. There's nothing un-American about Molotov memoirs by Frank Catolo, illustrated by T. Stephen Gessick. Why, this is Americana at its best. Literature, drama, conflict. It's everything I remember and things I think I remember through a storied life of history in show business, politics, and celebrated people's lives. It's me, Frank Catolo, inviting you to buy Molotov Memoirs. Go to blurb.com and put in my name, Frank Catolo, and get 
Molotov Memoirs. Buy a copy for your friends, buy a copy for your lovers and your haters, everybody. This is America. Indeed, uh, this is uh, actually we're, this is miracles all, happen right here. No, they don't stop it. This and they are miracles. This is a miracle. It is a miracle. It's a miracle that we we are actually uh, moving along uh, doing this now. Uh, that Moltop Memoirs commercial was done before the book came out in digital form. So for three ninety nine, uh, which is quite a cut from buying the analog copy, the hard, uh, with the spine and the soft cover and the beautiful pictures, which is, I'm not saying they're not beautiful when they're digitalized. They are beautiful. But those great, great uh, Stefan Gessick pictures that adorn the pages of the analog book. But again, uh, it's it's a little bit more expensive. But for $3.99, you can get that digital version. And uh, this is a great gift even now, it's a cheaper gift, too, for all your friends, families, families or relatives, relative friends or relative. He's a friend, he's a relative friend, your friends, whatever. Say, here's a here's a book. And, and the book is just based on so many different wonderful things that have happened to me, that I thought happened to me, that did happen to me in different ways and all sorts of stuff. But for sure, there are so few lies in that book. So, so but it is, uh, I guess, technically... Uh, fiction. That's so that we can categorize it in uh, in a particular area and not get into trouble with so many people who really don't want me to write the things that I wrote. But you can get Molotov memoirs. Please do three ninety nine. Uh, license the skill two ninety nine. And it's best you get that. These, uh, by the way, are going to be whether you know it or not, collectors' items. Uh, so you want to hold on to these things or get an extra copy and stick it in your time capsule, bury it in your backyard, and, uh, you know, you can have a lot of fun with it. It's the Christmas season. I'm obligated to try to get you to buy some of this stuff. Also, Lulu.com, the three books that are there are just filled. It's a laugh riot, as they used to say. It's, it's uh, what is it called? Uh, I love that word, uh, and I can't think of the word I love. I love that word. It's a, it's a screwball, <laughs> screwball comedy. I guess we can call it that also. Whatever we do, we'll call it whatever we want. You can call it, but you go get it. Over at Lulu.com, there's three books available, and they're also available in digitals for cheaper. Cheaper the money. Cheaper by the dozen, too. If you buy a bunch of them, oh my goodness, you can buy a crate. Imagine that you get your what you get your what you get your uh, dad. I got my dad. I got my dad a whole crate. A whole. Wait a minute, they wouldn't even call it a crate anymore. What would you put? A briefcase? No, I don't know what briefcase is it on Windows or, or a, a file box or a uh, what would you call it? I got a file box. I got a folder. I got a folder full of Catolo books for my father, so he can live a little bit for Christmas. And the rest of the time, because you would, it'll continue to be funny past the holidays. <laughs> you read it in 2013. Now, the other thing I want to say is that uh, the, somewhere during the beginning of this year or in the middle of this year or something, we kept talking about uh, wanting to have this special show on the 21st of December, because that is the uh, so-called end of life as we know it, end of the world, and 
we were going to do this show and we're going to get some people in here and just make a big thing out of it. But, you know, uh, it was a better idea than can be translated into action. And believe me, I know that that is a, uh, a something that happens a lot to creative people. You got a, it's a big idea. It's a good idea. And the idea is better than the manifestation of the idea, <laughs> whether it be a book, a play, a record, or anything. It's like, yeah, it was such a great idea. Look good on paper is, is the, the usual saying for that, right? So, so this idea to have the show on the 21st, the end of the world show, because the world was going to end based on the Mayan calendar, you know, it's so dudded. And when we did the show about all the different a couple of weeks ago, whenever, sometime last month or whenever, we did a show about debunking the the uh, very reasons that people say the world was going to end or come to some cataclysmic level on the 21st. When we did the show and we debunked all that stuff, that pretty much put the last nail in the coffin Coffin? Listen, that's a Brooklyn, the coffin? In the coffin. The last nail in the coffin for doing that show. So we're not going to do that. The end of the world show. It was good to, to think about it. And, and, and we kept promoting it. We said, oh, they're going to have more about it. This is going to be great. We're going to get people in from all over the place. And just, and what are we going to do? What? And, and I said, it's a, you know, it's a great idea. But it just makes no sense whatsoever. We don't even know when it's going to happen. Nobody gave us a time. Is it midnight? Is it midnight in Eastern Standard Time? Is it what happens? If you go across the international dateline. It won't be midnight over there the next day. What the twenty first? When I don't know. It's a bunch of malarkey. It's a bunch of hooey, and everything else you want to call it. So we're not going to do that. We are going to do the uh, Bone Garden because it, the world will still be here. I can almost not that you care if I guarantee it, but I can guarantee. It's going to be here come 21st, 22nd. Make plans is what I'm saying. Make plans for 2013 because it's going to happen. And again, we go down the Hallelujah Trail here uh, and uh, at Catolo Chronicles. My name is Frank Catolo. My man's name joins the title of the show. We got, uh, you're going to get yourself your beverage of choice. This really feels like the old show, the old show. The old version of the show. Get yourself your beverage of choice. Beverage is. How come it's not beverage I? I wonder what beverage is. Beverage I. I guess the I becomes plural because of the S's. Too many S's. Beverages is, 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 is. Replenish your precious bodily fluids. I got my coffee black as hell, strong as death. And uh, nowhere near as sweet as love. But nowhere near as bitter as a, as a grasshopper's like. Because the coffee keeps you going. And you know what I do every night? And actually night, I don't go to bed at night. Every I go to bed, it's night. I mean, it's night outside, but it's very early in the morning because I keep I keep uh, yeoman's hours. <laughs> what is a yeoman's hour? I don't know. It just came to my mind. I keep, I, you know, I, I live in the graveyard shift. I live in the graveyard shift. My life is in the graveyard shift. So... And and I have this wonderful uh, friend gave me this this wonderful bottle of uh, Kentucky bourbon. And before I go to sleep every night now, it's like medicine. I take a shot of that. And uh, you know, you've heard 
I don't have any. Maybe we can ask Dr. Popoli about this. Uh, well, you've heard about alcohol, certain amounts of alcohol, certainly wine, red wine. People claiming that people lived so much longer because they had a weekly weekly doses of red wine and all the different studies about coffee because every day, every week, every month, you know, coming out good stuff, good about this, good for that. But, you know, uh, the, the, the bourbon, it's just wonderful. I just I drink it right out of the bottle. And, you know, you can't because this thing kills germs. You know, you could share. You know the old cowboy movies? And people say, like, oh, that's disgusting. These guys share their little flasks. You know, here you have a sweet. You know? um, and and in, this liquor kills germs. That's a that's a chemical fact. That's a scientific fact. So it doesn't matter if, if somebody came into uh, my bedroom and uh, you know stayed for a while or whatever and shared it or I put it in the bottle, but in a glass doesn't matter because I drink it out of the bottle. In fact, nobody even had to know that. I don't know why I brought that information to the table. <laughs> I did. The thing is that that particular so I make sure that's the last thing I ingest. Every morning, and it's usually three thirty, four o'clock. So while people are getting up, having their orange juice, I'm taking my last slug, swig, swag for the day, my day, on the graveyard shift. It's a big shot of bourbon, Kentucky bourbon. Bourbon is whiskey, by the way. If you've ever been. You know, a lot of people know about people who aren't, you know, when you, when you, when you study to be a, I was going to say vampire. What is that? I, I saw that word coming down the road, trying to get into the sentence. Right? It comes in, 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 in. He's putting the sentence together. Don't let him say bartender. Let him say, use vampire. There's the word vampire. Da, 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 running and it didn't make it. When you, when you study to be a bartender, you learn a lot about the different types of alcohol, which you should. You don't just learn how to make drinks. You learn a lot about the drinks themselves. So there's types of whiskey and bourbon is whiskey. Scotch is whiskey. I mean, people say, like, oh, I don't want whiskey. Uh, let me have a shot of scotch. Well, scotch, it's scotch whiskey. It's whiskey. It's another type of whiskey. And, of course, when you put it all down through the – when you funnel it all down, every liquid, every drink – Scotch whiskey, bourbon whiskey, any kind of liqueur, blackberry brandy, any kind of brandy, whatever you got there, everything, soda, soda milk, eggnog, that from that, whatever the liquid, all liquids are just water that tastes like something else. We got that straight now? We even three, three and Three to one. Three and one. Do they still have that? Three and one oil? Not oil. Or, or, or oil you put. It's all, if it's liquid, it's just water. That is something else. So you don't drink all liquids, of course. You know, I'm just saying they're all liquids you don't drink. But if it doesn't have water, look, you, you don't even, you know, you're walking around and you're, how much water? A lot. What are we, 80% water? Doesn't matter. What matters is this. We're going to get Dr. Popoli on the phone. Hope that this works well. And we're going to talk about a bunch of things that he has 
been uh, mulling about with in terms of uh, behavioral science. He's here exclusively almost once a month. I don't know if he was here last month. I don't keep track of any of this stuff. I'm, it's hard enough. And I put together a wonderful thing. I think I'm going to actually have to record this whole thing. And I don't know. I'm going to have to do something. And that, that, that worries. That bugs me. Because I don't want to do anything. I don't want it to run. It's so simple. And I have no idea why. What happened to this playlist? Anyone? Does anyone know how this works? This media Windows player, which I have to use because my Sam, my, my, my new platform to stay encoded and streamed. Are you there? 148.ca? Did everybody get there? Let's call Dr. Popoli, see if this works. Because we have nothing. We, as we go along, we'll do it. My name is Frank Cotolo, a man whose name adorns the title of the show. This is Cotolo Chronicles, filled with mo, mo, uh, motifs, filled with themes, filled with metaphors and allegories, allophores and metagories. And now I have to actually, you don't have to do this with the... You don't have to do this with only oh, it's one of these things. I gotta do this quiet and then make it into Yeah, da 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 because I don't want you to have his number there, so uh I'll just beep it and uh then put the speaker on. I think this is a, a landline. How do we get how do we get louder? Is that the volume there? Hello. Is that the volume there? I don't, I, how, how, how's the volume? How's it with you? You hear it? Oh, I can hear you perfect. Okay, well, we're going to do this. Let me just find a place to put this phone and so that it's right near the mic there and you can hear me at the same time. How's that? Oh, I can hear everything. Okay, good. Then we're in good shape. Let me just make you a little lower. And beep, beep. Okay, you there? I'm here. I'm here. Okay, well, here's Dr. Gary Popoli once again, uh, exclusively here on uh, Catola Chronicles, Y2K plus 12. Did you, as we talked earlier, did you, did you find some fascinating things that can be our topics uh, through this? Uh, fascinating topics, I things know. that have been in the news, things that haven't been in the news, things that may surprise you, things that won't surprise you. Uh, I don't know what can surprise me, but certainly you could, you could try me. This has to do with uh, the Kate Middleton uh, pregnancy thing, in, in, right, at the, at the hospital? Correct. Now, they've interviewed several psychologists, um, and, you know, the consensus is that this was probably just the last straw. Um, and, I, and I agree with that. I don't think that it was just this prank phone call that, you know, would cause someone to take their own life. even know the phone call. What was the prank? What did they do? I, I didn't hear the details. He acted like he was Prince Charles or something and the guy acted like he was her husband or something. I don't know all the details. And and uh, they called the hospital to get some information on her, you know, on uh, exactly why Kate Middleton was in there and, and you know, what was going on with her and blah, 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 blah. And, um, 
And these were guys, these were Australian disc jockeys, is that correct? Correct. Mm. And, um, Radio geeks. And, and so supposedly, um, you know, they told her she wasn't going to be fired and she wasn't going to be reprimanded and she wasn't this and that and blah, blah, blah. And then the next thing you know, she uh, commits suicide. So, uh, And this wasn't even like one of those ridiculous prank calls. It wasn't like... Uh, when you were a kid, didn't you call up uh, like this random, or call up the supermarket and go, excuse me, do you have Prince Albert in a can? Right, you better let him out. Yeah, I mean, everybody did that junk, you know, and then we left and hung up. But it wasn't even that. It was, these guys were acting serious, and what was supposed to be the entertainment value of that? I have no idea. It was just, it was just a, um, just from what I understand, just a prank phone call. So, uh, uh, one guy was supposed to Queen Elizabeth, and the other person was supposed to be Prince Charles, and evidently they coaxed this woman into giving them, all, you know, uh, telling them how she was doing, and we, you know, why, you know, what an update was, and this and that, and blah, and, uh, you know, and then when she found out it was a prank, at least she, uh, you know, was so, I guess, humiliated by the fact that they got her, that and she gave out this information of the princess, supposedly, that she committed suicide. But uh, but I would think that it would be a lot more, hopefully, that it would, be, that it would take a lot more for someone. By now, though, have, would, life that, by now, wouldn't they have looked into the life of this lady? I mean, would there be any other signs? It has to do with uh, legal obligations and things like that, that they can't, you know, release all this information of what exactly her life was like and what problems she had. But you're saying, of course, there must have been stuff. Right. There must have been other stuff going on. So, but, you know, I, I did see the Australian disc jockeys, you know, issued a statement and they supposedly are on, you know, leave or, what, you know, whatever you call it. And, and what those, okay, so but well, forget about the news value of it. What is your... I mean, you brought this up because it has some psychological spin. Because of the whole suicide factor. Okay. You know, I, I don't. I think people eventually take their life because they've they've run out of options for many things in their life. They, you know, you start to lose all your defense mechanisms. You start to have nowhere to turn. You start to, you know, have suicidal ideation. You start to be completely depressed. You. You know, your whole entire life changes, your demeanor, your we had doctor, uh, of worthlessness, sadness, all these things. And so I think this was just probably the, you yeah. know, the straw that broke the camel's back. We did a whole show on that with Dr. Karen Wyatt uh, earlier this year. And she'd written a book because she takes care of uh, people who are or, or knowingly going to die. And her father had committed a suicide, so she's very close to this uh, whole thing. So we went through all that. So this nurse uh, is, how old was she? Do you know? No, I do not know how old she was. Um, okay, so then now here's the point. Let's move, we can move on. The idea is that uh, you're saying, don't, don't think that this uh, particular event, this circumstance, uh, drove her to suicide. It was just that she might, she was on her way there anyway. I yeah. lost you for a minute. Can you hear me? Can you hear me now? Say where she was on her way to something. To suicide. Right. Something else would have done. Okay. All right. Next.
I, I think we can move on with this, huh? Wait a second. For those of us, including me, who has forgotten if I didn't know this at all, when is sex developed in an embryo? Uh, at what point? There, I believe these sex organs are actually visible somewhere in the neighborhood of eight to ten weeks, something like that. Okay, but that's when they're visible. But I mean, when when upon conception, it is determined. It is determined. Oh, okay. Oh, I, yeah, I guess, okay, so I'm wrong about it. I get what I meant was, what I meant is, what I mean is, <laughs> I went out, in and out of tense there, and it's like a, it's like a, like being a, a, like not knowing, that's your joke, right? I don't know whether I'm a TP or a wigwam. Yeah, exactly, you're too tense. Right. So, yeah. I, I, what I was saying was when, uh, when the sperm hits the egg, is it immediately confirmed whether it's a male or a female? I don't know. Is that true or not? I don't know. It is. Correct. Okay, so the, yeah, the Y and the X. Okay, so now you're, ta- now you're saying, or they're saying with the study 
that uh, that there's it's according to how much according to how much testosterone is uh, I, I didn't even know that stuff was there in the beginning. Okay, and when you with a female who is more masculine, what 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 on earth? And this study came. You say it's a quantitative. Study. Explain that because this is not something they didn't get sixty people in a room together. Right? <laughs> I mean, right? You have two types of studies. We got sixteen embryos. We had sixteen embryos. So this is statistical analysis that was done, whether to you know, reject the null hypothesis or not. Or yeah, blah, yeah, blah, it blah. doesn't get confusing. I just don't understand how they how they uh, come. Well, they, well, what they did was they they had all of these uh, epidemiologists supposedly and this geneticists and these and these you know other medical doctors, psychologists, psychiatrists, all these people, and they start talking about how all this develops, and then they come up with a theory. Why are they, to determine uh, how, in other words, they're not exactly yeah. sure when this all occurs, how it comes about. You know, it, it's almost—it's almost like there's a there's a gate there, and and when the the gate of the mother is closed or is open for the developing male, then the, you have a male who develops with more feminine tendencies. Well, what does DNA have to do with attraction? I mean, you're saying you're talking about it. It's, the, uh, this is based on who might become a homosexual. And so the DNA is uh, is sparking things in the breast, chemically pushing uh, something into the brain, uh, making a person be attracted to the same sex. I'm trying no, to I'm trying to get this exactly. I'm trying to get this down to like a real common denominator, okay? Because you said they did the study that there could be something going on in there that makes a person born a homosexual. So the DNA, how does that work? I mean, you know, if you were going to say, uh, well, now I'm confused even asking the question. Schizophrenia, any mental or physical illness can be genetic. So there's this belief. 
right, right. We know that, but that's not, that's not new. But what is this? What makes this new? That what makes this new mm. is that for years and years and years and years and years, uh, people have been looking on the DNA helix for what they call the homosexual gene. That you could actually... Um, you get that at Navy, don't you? What's that? You get that? You get them at Navy, don't you? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry to everyone out there for that horrible joke. What was it? You were talking about the homosexual genes. I said you get that at Navy, don't you? The store, or you get that at the Gap. Right. I should have used the Gap because that's more common. Okay, so you're saying that they were looking for a specific. They were looking for a specific gene, but now they're finding that there's some there's some uh, chemical thing. testosterone can you can you explain that could you what is this chemical well it's a, you know it's it's actually it's all it is 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 testosterone and so then when you do it scientifically you test it and it becomes testosterone you can't you can't do a definition with the word it doesn't work listen you're a golfer aren't you no no but when i do golf i wear two pair of pants <laughs> In case I get a hole in one. I'm sorry. No, you didn't explain this to me. Now, come on. You know how, you know that I'm dense. Okay, here's the thing. What is testosterone? Is it like, uh, iron? Okay, okay, and, uh, and, okay, I'm not gonna do the hormone joke. You know, males, when, 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 when we reach puberty, um, there is, for males, there's also the increase in progesterone, which is the female hormone, and testosterone, but obviously more testosterone than progesterone. Obviously. And for females, it's the exact opposite, more progesterone than testosterone. And so they, you know, develop breasts and, you know, things of that nature okay. as a result of those hormones. Right. You know, it's all done by the endocrine system. Who did this uh, particular study? Where, this, where did this originate? Okay, so now we're so now we have more so, evidence. So it's not really something that's on the DNA molecule. Okay, where you can isolate it. It has to do with the way. Now uh, you know who Doctor Drew is, right? I've heard of that guy. Is he on television? Yeah, he's on television. This okay. is, and this is how he explained it. Okay. Sentence. So if the arrangement comes out of order, 
Gotcha. A molecule. So as a result, it's not, you're not, in other words, they're trying to eliminate looking for the, quote, homosexual gene. And just now they think it might have to do with a mechanism, you know, what's called epigenetics, the way in which the genes are formed and and how different hormone levels are allowed to fluctuate in the developing fetus. Okay. So that's a pretty, this is pretty... That's pretty heavy. It is pretty heavy, and it's pretty interesting, and it's, uh, you know, it's kind of state-of-the-art, and it's, uh, you know, it's... It's, um, you know, complicated to say the least, and it's going to be difficult to test. And it's just right now in its in its theoretical stage. And so, you know, but but you know, it's it, research is good. I mean, you have to continue to do research. And this is going to be very. Uh, you think this will be uh, brought up with all the current. Uh, this is the first time, I believe, in in history of 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 bringing up the subject of uh, of same sex marriage. Uh, this is actually uh, some kind of uh, not evidence, but I mean, this would be this would be for this would be a good thing for people who are supporting same sex marriage, wouldn't it? Oh, well, it would be absolutely, and 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 it would. I, I think for the people who believe that this is choice that people make to be this way and as a result of making that choice they are defying all the laws of you know religion so to speak right uh, then then i think you know if there were some kind of of proof for example that people are actually born this way and they really don't have a choice that I mean, I don't know that you could ever prove that, but if you were to prove that, then I think people would have no choice but to be more understanding of and sympathetic towards. So then this is actually a, a lot bigger, uh, you know, based on that, because of everything else that's in the news, the Supreme Court and all that. Uh, this is a very bigger, this is a very bigger? What kind of word is that? What kind of phrase is that? This is a bigger thing than just finding out that thing because it has a social uh, relevance to it right now with all this stuff going on. That's fascinating. How come we haven't heard about that? Well, we did. Dr. Drew, you said, talked about it. That was it? It's brand, it's brand new. New. Well, leave it to you. Right, right. Wonderful. Right, okay. So I just thought that I would I'd bring that up. You know what I mean? I, I love it. It's good. Now, it's uh, kind of state of the art. Are we done with that? Now are we going to move on or what? Yeah, we're going to move on. Yeah, we're going to move on. I don't know what else we have. Do we have something else? Okay. Oh, i got tons of other stuff. i got some interesting things here. All okay, right. let's do it up until the 10, and then we'll take a little break, and then we'll come back and do the rest of it with, with all the tons of stuff. Gary Popoli, of course, exa- um, ex- um, exclusive here on Catolo Chronicles, Y2K Plus 12 here now. And um, Gary course is uh, the uh, is a professor of uh, behavioral science at the University of uh, Christchurch in uh, New Zealand and I and uh, <laughs> I don't, no he's where are you now these days well, I'm in different places I'm at the University of Baltimore and I'm at uh, the University and I'm at the Peabody Conservatory and I'm at the Harvard Community College and now if that all, pe- all the different institutions in Maryland now if that Peabody conserva- conservatory moves 
to Boston. It'll have to be the Pibbity Conservatory. <laughs> you know that. Okay, so anyway, this this is who we're talking with. Give us another one, uh, Doctor. Another, another, um, another um, study, another scoop, another thing about what's happening out there with this fascinating stuff that we call human beings and uh, composition of human beings and behavior. Right. Well, here's one that you're probably not going to find, you know, too, too, you know, surprising. But another study came out today or yesterday that links stress to heart attacks, diabetes, and depression. Yeah, you're right. This is starting to get starting to get old. I mean, because everyone. No, I don't mean old. I mean everyone's kind of accepted that now, right? Why do we need more evidence? Here's the thing. I still believe that in the medical community that stress still takes more of a backseat than the physiological, you know, uh, causation of illnesses. So, in other words, you, you have strep throat because you've contracted this bacteria that, you know, affects your throat, blah, 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 but not necessarily because you were under so much trust that it lowered your immune system and blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? So, so I still see that there's, you know, not as much emphasis on stress. Um, you know, we have this theory in psychology called the stress diathesis model, or I've, I've also heard it called the diathesis stress model. Oh, yeah, me too. I, 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 that's why I get a mix up. Basically, what it says is that people, everyone has the ability, or ability is the wrong word. Everyone has the physiological composition to suffer from any mental illness, physiological illness, whatever the case may be. But whether or not you develop these illnesses depends upon the amount of stress have in your life, which, as you know, it's very difficult to measure stress. Uh, you know, we have actually we have a psychological test that measures stressors in life. Uh, the, the number one stressor, I, I think they rank it as a hundred points, is the loss of a loved one or a spouse or you know something like that. And then it, you know they have a whole list of stressors. So, so um, again, it's not surprising that people who have a tremendous amount of stress in their life have more heart attacks, diabetes, depression, and so forth. I think the study said that women um, who have stress in their life have a 67% greater chance of uh, having uh, a heart attack than women who are in less intense jobs. Hmm. That, that's, that's pretty amazing. So, you know, you and I, as you know, live very, very, very stressful lives. Speak for yourself, and you know, I mean, what kind of, <laughs> when did I join that club? <laughs> I think that, right, so anyway, yeah. uh, you know, for example, colds, and I'm reading this off of the, um, off of the, the, this is an article from the Washington Post. I, I don't, you know, I don't want to be found guilty of any plagiarism or anything, but uh, colds, Alzheimer's disease, uh, when people are stressed, they do not eat. Properly, they suffer strokes. Uh, so, again, the question is, what, what do you do for stress? Well, the suggestions are meditation, biofeedback, exercise.
No, no, no. I, I certainly think on the meter, uh, in the, if you categorize the people, <laughs> well, you're, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't, I don't ever like to get personal on this show, uh, but, uh, I, I understand, I understand what you're saying. We all, we all do, even, even those of us who are lighter, or anybody who is a, a bit more lighter about life. I mean, we all experience stresses, which is no matter what. Yeah, well, first of all, you, you know, uh, we don't all have the same mechanisms to deal with it either, you know? It's this whole fight-or-flight syndrome, too. You know, some people, uh, some people, and, you know, I would put myself in this category. Uh, I think my wife would, would agree with me. I tend to, I tend to, to, you hit it head on. I probably make issues out of things that I should. Ah. But I feel as though if I don't do that, then all it does is eat at me and it makes me more stressed. So, you know, I'm not the kind of person that likes to have, you know, people say, well, I'll give you an answer in four days. I'll get back to you. You know, I want to know right now. Tell me. You know, are you, gonna, are you going to, you know, cut my cell phone off or aren't you? Are you going to you know, are you are you going to give me a ride on Thursday or, or aren't you? Are you going, you know? So I want to know now. So, do, do you think people do people uh, people build their own mechanisms uh, for for stress? Isn't that why uh, a lot of people get into uh, things like religion and stuff because uh, it it helps them uh, dismiss certain things, or is that just a subterfuge? No, 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 no. That's, that's true, as, especially during adolescence. You know, there's two defense mechanisms that are widely used by adolescents. One is intellectualization, and one is asceticism. And and intellectualization is when, you know, their friends say, come on, we're going to go drinking, we're going to party, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. And, and the adolescent says, I, I can't, I have tests coming up, I'm going to the library, I have to study. And so they become totally entrenched in, in academics and and things of that nature as a defense mechanism for having to participate in all the parties and things. And then asceticism is when they turn to religion, you know, say, listen, I I really don't want to go out and party tonight. It's really not my thing. And, you know, I'd rather stay home and, you know, pray, you know, meditate or meditate or read the Bible or, you know, whatever the case may be. And so adolescents many times do that just to eliminate a lot of the stress in their life. But of course, a lot of people live uh, uh, live on adolescent levels uh, as adults. Yes, they do. Right? As we don't know uh, exactly when we become adults. Maybe you know, we never do. I remember the exact date. Uh, actually, <laughs> <laughs> today, you, <laughs> today you are a man. I think it had, it had something to do with uh, neckties and uh, Br- Bridget Bardot. But anyway, okay, Dr. Popel, he's with us. He's, and him and I and you. Huh? Adrian Barbeau. No, no, Bridget Bardot. What are you, not that young? No, no, Adrian Barbeau. Do you remember her? Sure. What happened to her? Nothing. I'm just asking if you remember her. Well, why did you bring that up? I talked about Bridget Bardot. They're not, uh, I mean, they're not even in the same class, those two. No, I, 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 okay, so go ahead. 
this was kind of what just kind of worked. Were we playing a word game or something? Was that what you were doing? You're starting a word game. We go barbo, and I say bardo. You say barbo, and then we're talking about wine. What are you talking about? It Come on, I know it. Gary Popoli is with us. He is, in fact, a very serious and official. He is a doctor, and he teaches, even though he sings stupid Three Stooges songs. I will, yes, I will. Are you going to replenish your bodily fluids? Time for all of us to replenish our precious bodily fluids at the top of the hour. Dr. Popoli will be back. How about it? You want me to? I'll just hang up and call you right back. No problem. Okay. Dr. Gary Popoli, okay, well, don't go away then. Don't leave the house, all right? I won't be going anywhere. Okay. Dr. Gary Popoli coming to us by phone, and it actually works uh, pretty darn well, doesn't it? We will be right back. Catolo Chronicles Y2K plus 12. (laughs) Keep watching the skies. More about why we do the things we do, what we think we do, and why it's all happening. Y2K plus 12 here. Don't forget, become my Facebook friend. Frank Atola. Catola Chronicles. The internet talk show from the Neo Postmodern world. On behalf of Rad, if you're drinking, you can't drive my car or any car. Remember, if you're partying this holiday season, don't drink and drive. Got it? It's just not worth it. Doesn't make sense. Thank you. A public service message brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, Rad, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm God. My customers love my business, but no one knows about me. Sorry, I only do miracles, but Ridley Promotions can help you. Ridley Promotions, home of Promotions 2.0, where satisfied customers are your advertisement. Call one 743 4234 or visit RidleyPromotions.ca. There's nothing un-American about Molotov Memoirs by Frank Catolo, illustrated by T. Stavron Gessick. Why, this is Americana at its best. Literature, drama, conflict. It's everything I remember and things I think I remember through a storied life of history in show business, politics, 
and celebrated people's lives. It's me, Frank Catolo, inviting you to buy Molotov Memoirs. Go to blurb.com and put in my name, Frank Catolo, and get Molotov Memoirs. Buy a copy for your friends, buy a copy for your lovers and your haters, everybody! This is America! I've been in bed with D, and it was so good. In bed. I'm in bed. In bed with myself. I've been in bed with D. Was <laughs> it good for you, D? Hey, it's the artist D. Have you ever wondered why and how I could go around flaunting the term the Internet's first superstar? Well, I was here first, and I'll tell you how and why in my new book, In Bed With Myself, The Making of the Internet's First Superstar. I've been in bed with D, and it was so good. Go to theartistd.com to order your copy today. Some say superstar, and others just say, holy moly. Oh, dear. Oh, oh, dear. Oh. Mm. And he doesn't even have the book yet. It's only $14.95. There's only 100 in stock, <laughs> so you better get yours now. Now, for the first and last time anywhere, it's the Wolfman Jack Christmas album. That's right, the master of Murray Muses himself and a collection of his all-time favorite Christmas sayings. No music, no atmosphere of yuletide fun, just the jolly old Wolfman himself. You'll hear him say... Noel. And... Deck the halls with boughs of holly. Fa-la-la-la-la. La-la-la-la. It's a treasure for any collector of Christmas vinyl. You even get his Murray old laugh, often mistaken for that of Santa Claus. <laughs> And if you ask now, we'll send you absolutely free another album called Wolfman Jack Trimming His Christmas Tree. It features 567 great sounds as the Wolfman puts all sorts of trimmings on his 40-foot evergreen. Yes, you'll even hear him fall as he tries to put the top piece on. Order now. Here's how to order. Just leave $22.95 in cash under an oak tree with a dog marked I Want the Wolfman Stuff and Return in Three Days. That's the Wolfman Jack Christmas album. $43.88 cassettes, $55.50. Act now. All right. Yes, indeed. <laughs> All right. As the case may be, my name is Frank Atoll, the man whose name adorns the title of the show, the third man himself. I can't be the first and I can't be the second. I can only be the third. I am. I'm the, I'm the witness. I am your witness. I am your mutineer. No, you're my witness. I'm your mutant. Whatever the case may be. My name is Frank Atoll, the man whose name adorns the title of the show. You're listening to Catolo Chronicles. Don't forget, as I told you, you can... Follow me on uh, Facebook. Be my friend. Get over there and join me. Uh, the, the thousands who are joining and reading stuff and knowing exactly where you can download the show now, because all sorts of things have changed over the past couple. Excuse me, couple of months. There's that coffee huh? over the past couple of months. Our affiliates, of course. You go over to Facebook and uh, get that. You can get it there. 
As soon as it's done live, I'm going to listen to it live. You go to CatolaChronicles.blogspot.com and all the various other things. Uh, Lulu for the books, Blurb for the books, and where? And Amazon. <laughs> That's the big Amazon for the books. Gary Popley is with us on this Y2K Plus 12 in uh, Excelsior Sound. I don't know. We need a name for this. Nitro Sound. They tell me that it sounds different because we're in this stereo theater now. But however it goes, uh, we're going to uh, get more and more adept. Adept, not adapt. Adept at doing this with the new technical platform. Again, I'm not a geek. I just dive into this water. That's how I learned to swim, and I don't swim well. But I can handle this. As you know, tell your friends, tell your family, come on over. Dolo Chronicles here every week. Uh, we got what else is coming up? Yes, oh, we're only two weeks from the roll call from the Bone Garden. The artist will be here with us. Bam, bam. So we're almost done. Let's finish this third man uh, dance of the stuffed grapes, <laughs> and then get back to Dr. Gary Popoli. And you, right here, on Cotolo Chronicles. And that is that. And that's that. Those are the last lines to what movie? And that's that. Now all I gotta do is hit redial because I don't have to worry about that. He will come right on to our. He'll come right on to our te- our radio show once more, Mister Ga- Doctor Gary Popley. I was looking up at the break. Yes. A little bit more on this epigenetics. Okay, and you were finding uh, what something that's uh, interesting enough to go back to that subject. <laughs> what? Just wanted to. St- tell you this, I, I, these two sentences, epimarks is what they're called, act as another layer of information fused to our genes that control their expression. Essentially, genes hold the directions while epimarks instruct how they are put into motion and completed. Hmm. Now, you're the expert. Why on earth, you know, any of us can look up on our internet or in books. You're supposed to be able to tell us this stuff. But, uh, I mean, this to you because I don't know that either we Everyone felt comfortable with my explanation. Of it. Right, a well, lot sure cleared it up. All right. And I still, I don't get what, that cleared it up, all right. I don't know what you said. I don't, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thank you for clearing that up. All right. Here's an interesting one for you. You know what auditory processing disorder is? Oh, you're not going to, are you going to go into the thing that I went into? I did a whole show on this. Does this have to do with the, go ahead. Tell me what it is, and I'll tell you. Tell me this topic, and I'll tell you if it's what we went into with the doctors and the sound and the thing in the ear. Yeah, and, and ADHD. Oh, no, I don't know if it's connected to ADHD. I still can't pronounce ADHD. Well, how about this? Had, 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 had go what? But there is, um, and now this was actually done in Canada, and this. It's a, it's a hearing disorder called auditory 
no, we did something else. We did something on how people, uh, why some people can't hear correct music or why it distorts, why sound distorts in your ear. Okay, anyway, go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I don't need to go over that show again. Go ahead. Tell us what this is called. I know. I know. I'm sorry. I'm just trying to keep up here. Called Tory Processing Disorder. And it's the way that the brain processes sound. And that as a result of this, and this is pretty rare, only 2 to 3% of, of children in Canada um, um, have been diagnosed with this, that as a result of this, that they've been misdiagnosed with attention deficit hyperactive disorder. Oh, and that is different. That's not anything like we talked about. Okay, so... So, what it is, is the way the brain processes the sound and things like that, uh, because it's a disorder of hearing or whatever, then, then children that they've tested have shorter attention spans and they're more anxious and they have difficulty reading and focusing on one thing at a time and, you know, all these different things. So, um, that, you know, I think the last time that we talked, I had told you about some very recent research that said that ADHD in children may actually be sleep apnea. Yes, I think we did, yeah. Right, children with sleep apnea. So it's just another, um, another explanation or an attempt, I think, to try and get away from this global uh, label that we put on children who are, you know, can't concentrate or, or they, you know, they get out of their seats a lot, disrupt the class, they, they're anxious, they can't, uh, you know, they have difficulty doing two things at once and, and we put this label on them as ADHD or ADD. And now uh, some of the research, you know, because ADHD for, and ADD for the most part are really um, American, you know, or North American diagnoses. That seems to be the culture where it is. And so it may actually be uh, something else other than ADD and ADHD. It could be sleep apnea. It could be this auditory processing you know what I want to know? Maybe, maybe I think I think around these things all the time. What makes anybody, any adult, what makes any adult feel that a child should have power of concentration? If when in fact he's a child, she's a child, and their mind should be all over the place because they're working all over the place. They should be fidgety because they're kids. What makes anybody think? That uh, that children, in other words, wasn't it more common for kids to be fidgety and stuff? Uh, kids went to Catholic school and nuns had to hit them in order to be quiet. Uh, I, I So either they all have ADHD, 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 or whatever, or they're just kids. I mean, where, where do you draw the line? Well, here's the thing. You draw the line, and most children of specific ages should be allowed to, you know, sit in their seat, focus on more than one task, be able to read, not suffer from anxiety, you know, not disrupt the class, not do, they should be able to do all of these things. Now, wait, 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 wait a second, where does that, where does that come from? Why were kids... That's all it is. Okay, I don't know, I, I, okay, go ahead. Most of the children who can do something, and then you have a small percentage who can't, you know, obviously the small percentage who can are considered, quote, 
See, just like human behavior, and this is what I hate about human behavior, the ones who are different always have to have, they have to find something wrong with them. They can't say, well, the minority of people do this, and the majority of people do this. I mean, why do we have to, why do we have to look? If it's not detrimental, why do we have to look? Oh, there's this hey, kid, you know, he's, he, he's disrupting the rest of the class because they're sitting there and they want to learn. And well, he, because it is detrimental. That's why. It does disrupt their lifestyle. It does cause them to get D's and F's instead of A's and B's. It, you know, it does cause them to be bullied. It does cause them to be depressed. It does cause, so it does cause all of these things. So, so when you have so many situations such as that, then, you know, as a scientist, you look for answers. Yeah, okay, go ahead. So now we're saying that kids have something wrong with their ears, and it's not ADHD. It's because their ears are going to their brains, and their brains are saying different things. Definitely. You know, it's just that, you know, it's just another, you know, area of research where they, they may, there may be a connection between children being diagnosed with ADHD, and in fact, they're not at all. They actually have auditory processing disorder. Auditory processing disorder. So the sound is not coming through uh, and comprehending the sound or the words, if it's words, or it's loud. I don't get it. Right. Well, see, you, you know, you when I say something to you, your, your brain processes it a certain way. <laughs> it sure does. And if you can't, then you, you know, if... Then if you're stupid. Like my father said, then you're just stupid. No, no, no. No, if everybody spoke to you and... and you know, organized all their sentences to completely different, you might start to feel a little bit anxious. You might start to, you know, get a little bit angry. You might start thinking, so, why does everybody talk like that? Talk like that. I, 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 I had that. Like that. I and had so that. As a result, you wind up having, you know, children who have, uh, you know, problems. I had that feeling the first week I was in Paris. Whereas it's reflected in their schoolwork, it's reflected in their social life. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Am I talking to you? Can you hear me? I don't know if anybody can hear me at the same time you hear me. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I, I said to you, I had that feeling the first time I was in Paris, the first week. <laughs> now he heard me. Make you anxious. <laughs> Why is everybody talking to me like this? Anyway. Okay. So, so where does that lead us? Okay, okay, throw a couple of more out in this this uh, kaleidoscope of studies and uh, quantitative, qualitative, and uh, and queer. Correct. Now, two years ago, I don't know if you recall this or not, the Congress threw out the term, they banned the term mental retardation. That you couldn't call people mentally retarded. You know, they became mentally challenged or, you know, intellectually challenged or so forth and so on. Well, I don't know if you know this or not, but they just outlawed another word. Do you know what it was? I seem to remember seeing something online about this, and I forgot. Lunatic. Right. Lunatic. Because lunatic, 
which I happen to know the origin of lunatic is comes from way back when uh, people used to think that full moons or certain things about the moon made people react certain ways crazy. Uh, and that's what lunar, because Luna is in there, lunatic, right? Isn't that how that uh, happened? Yeah, yeah, but that's also, you know, my dog's name is Luna, and when she goes in the woods, she gets lunatics. Now, she's not allowed, uh, she... <laughs> so, um, I got a crazy clock that does uh, lunatics. Yeah. Yeah, 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 okay. Yeah, I'll yeah. do. I'll do the humor. So the man, uh, in, the man in the moon has lunatics. Now what is isn't uh, what made? There was also a time when people thought the moon was made of cheese. Right. Figure that out. And this was it's amazing. And think about this for a second. People actually thought that this bodily, this planet, this you know, was made of stuff that is created with milk, right? <laughs> And it and it, and and that it was and it didn't spoil. That was was amazing. I guess because it was in outer space and it's cold and there was no atmosphere. If the moon, why didn't the moon spoil? Didn't anybody go up to these people and go, "How come the moon doesn't stink and spoil?" <laughs> if it's made of cheese, for gosh sake. Okay, so what about why? Now, what was the what, now, what I, was I, the, I, what was I, the reasoning I, behind? I they wanted a date, so they did. They said, you can't use it. Where? Where can't you use it? Lunatics anymore. You can't do it. Well, yeah, but what, what, what is it? What is there, a fine? Do you get a, uh, what do we have? We have English talking fines now, or Oxford Dictionary gives out fine. I mean, if that's, that's the, fine. you know, if that's the case, a lot of people are going to be fined a lot of money for speaking incorrectly. So using different words, uh, and, and can you use the word, for instance, can you use the word retard if you're talking about, you know, and it's like second or third definition. My, 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 because it would, it, you know, it's a, it's an honest word and it makes sense. My tire, my tire is retard. It's, re- is, it, re- it reads retarding. It's retarded. It's a retarded tile. Tire. I could say that. Well, why, why is that politically incorrect? My car tire, let's say. You mean it's a retread? No, I didn't mean to do it. I didn't mean for you to look for some kind of ridiculous joke. I meant for you to say, look. I'm not remembering people had tires that were retards. You could, your tire can retard. Your, a lot of things can retard. If I could just look up the exact, uh, I could got my, I got my 1960 dictionary right here. And it's not going to say a stupid person. It's not going to say retard, a stupid person. That is, that was given. <laughs> It's not going to say mentally challenged person. Now, let's just, wait, let's do this. Hold on. Let's look this up because this is a, this is well before politically incorrect things. What it's, happens if you get new blacktop on your driveway? It's retard. <laughs> you know, it's a, you know, these, you know what they used to call these guys? What did they used to call these? Not pinheads. You know, <laughs> doctors. They used to call them something. What did they call them? Like, that comes from the word. Oh, PhD, funny duddies. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to look up a retard. Hold on, I just want to. I want to show you what it says here. It's <laughs> from 1950. This is the official Catolo Chronicles dictionary. Uh, retired, <laughs> retard. Look what it's here. Now this is what it says. Listen to this. Yeah. Retard, delay, the first delay. 
a holding back, to hold back, obstruct, to hinder. To retard means to delay or hinder motion. To delay is to keep from arriving or being completed at a certain time. Heavy snow retards our progress on a road. Stopping to fix a tire delays us, retards us. You see, it's a, and it's an honest and good word. Why can't we use it? Why can't we say, but yet they don't do. Ladies and gentlemen, the 810, the 810 Amtrak from Philadelphia is retarded. <laughs> and that makes sense. That's, that's, that's correct English. Has been retarded. It will arrive at 8.30. You see, and it says nothing in here, stupid person. Nothing. It doesn't happen. We, we did to the language we called people and we, you're laughing too like a jerk because you know, you're a doctor, you're a professional man with letters on his name and everything and a teacher at a university and you're laughing when I say retard. No, no, See, no, there you go. Laughing at your... What? Well, it's true, isn't it? I just read it to you. You know, the guy at the train <laughs> Well, it's true. That would be correct. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> platform three, where, uh, where, uh, <laughs> the 620 from Baltimore should be arriving is retarded. <laughs> it will be here at 680, 660, 627 or something. You see, it's, that's right. But they don't say it because they people are going to walk around. They're not, people are not sophisticated enough. They're not adept enough in the English language. Not to laugh. They'd laugh at that as opposed to saying, oh, I guess it's, that means it's going to be late. It would just immediately they would know there's a delay. But nobody says, they, I mean, they just, uh, how come, how come we're not going into school today? And you can say, uh, and there's a really bad weather out, but the weatherman, and, and you know, and then somebody says there's a retard. And everyone would laugh. And it's true. There's a delay. And when there's a snowstorm, does the weatherman go, we're going to read the retards. Of the, for the schools, we're going to read the school retards. Okay. Right? They don't. It's true. School will not open at 8. There's a retard. Right. Well, you, that's okay. And I, and I understand your point. You well, just okay. can't I made, call me. But I made my point. Okay? Right. You made your point. You can't call me a lunatic. And anymore. not using the word retard for its correct definition, as far as I'm concerned, is that's the job? That's the that's the act of a lunatic. <laughs> okay, give us another one now. I think we've I think we've established that. I want everybody out there who listens to Catolo Chronicles to to go to whatever dictionary you have uh, somewhere along the line, and I want you to add into your. I want you to put back into your vocabulary retard. And when somebody stops you, you tell them exactly what you mean. Say, why don't you just look it up? Okay. Go ahead. Gosh. All right. I hate to be a stickler about it. I hate to be a word Nazi, but let's face it, a word Nazi. I don't know why the word Nazi. Why do we use Nazi? We shouldn't even use Nazi for that kind of stuff. That comes from that stupid Seinfeld thing because they said, oh, he's a soup Nazi. Right. And yeah, they use Nazi. Nazis should have nothing to do with people. Go ahead. You got another one for us? This is uh, Dr. Gary Popoli, who, of course, you haven't been on in a while. He's uh, here uh, right before the holidays. We only have two more shows left uh, in Y2K Plus 12. Uh, and uh, then uh, Wang, then we're off to uh, to 2013. 
Absolutely. And what are we called neo what? We are neo postmodernists. <laughs> right. He laughs. <laughs> Anytime you want me to come to your university and give a talk on neo postmodernism, you, you let me know. I will I will arrive I will arrive on time. I will not be retarded. When we mean child abuse, we mean not specifically any kind, sexual beating, of physical, any kind of physical abuse, right? It also includes child neglect, also. Statistics that I read. Which is a good thing, because, you know, there's nothing that, that I think is more heinous, more critical to the deterioration of a society. Yeah, than, it's heinous, by the way. Than, there's nothing is heinous, it's heinous. Not heinous. You say heinous, and I say heinous. You say tomato. There's nothing. You're, you're right. There's nothing. There's nothing worse than that. But there's no no question about it. It's the worst. Now, can I ask you a question? Because this came up in a conversation a couple of weeks ago, and I don't even want you to ask why. Okay. But we've talked about this child abuse and everything like that. We've talked about pedophiles, pedophilia, and all sorts of stuff. But let me ask you a question. Why? Uh, pedophilia, does it have an age? Uh, I mean, you can't call somebody who has uh, uh, relations with a 16-year-old just because it's illegal. I mean, with, with somebody who's grown. That's not pedophilia because it's a child. Is that just a legal line? And pedophilia has to do with, I don't know what. Is there an age uh, window there or what? Well, I think the age that's used most of the time is the legal age of 18. Right, so but you're going to say that somebody who uh, is a sick, somebody can be really sick and get in, and, you know, and wants, uh, uh, you know, to have uh, sorts of relations with with kids. Uh, and, you know, you've heard these stories. I mean, there's like the, um, a year, two years. I mean, these ridiculous things. Okay, uh, and yet uh, a 17 year old uh, who feels no different um, at midnight when that becomes 18, you're going to say that person. Uh, who uh, does that just because it's illegal is a pedof- pedophile? Well, that's, that's, if you, if you're going to charge them with something in the legal system, you're going to charge them with having illegal sex with a minor. And that's what pedophilia is. Wow, and there's something I think, now you talk about, you see, this is ridiculous. We talk about... An 18-year-old and a 17-year-old is a lot different than a 35-year-old and a 12-year-old. Well, yes, absolutely. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying that there's, there could, there's sickness. There's got to be some kind of weird, crazy thing going on with people who are out there going, uh, you know, I, I can't be sexually satisfied unless the kid is uh, three. I mean, you know, that's what? You know, and yet, uh, because if they reduced the age limit, if they made the statutory rape age limit, let's say they made it 16 or 15, then suddenly you wouldn't be a pedophile if you were having relations because it would be legal to have relations with a 16-year-old. See, so it's a, it's a line drawn. It's a very weird thing. I don't, so I don't get it. The whole thing, it's weird. I mean, and then they're spending time, they're spending time, uh, I mean, uh, calling uh, people lunatics. We can't call people lunatics anymore when, when, they're, when they don't understand 
the concept that I'm bringing up because I didn't bring it up and I never wrote my congressman. But after all, you know, any time I write to my congressman, the letter comes back. Anyway, I'm sorry. I, I guess you don't know. You you just go. We just go by definition. We go by the. Uh, that's it. And then we know. I'm going to look up pedophile while you go to the next thing. So go ahead. Is you a personal question? Well, maybe you can ask it. I don't know if I'll answer it. What is this green suit that you have on? Sitting in this chair, you look like Don Corleone. Where? On this picture, where it says Catola Chronicles has moved. Oh. Do I? And a, and a black tie. A green suit and a black tie? I don't know that picture. Where is that picture located? You want to type it in? Well, I don't want to look for it now, but I mean, go ahead, tell me. Where did you find that? That Potomatic.com. Oh, Potomatic. Potomatic is gone. There's no, I'm not even on there anymore. That's all garbage. Yeah, it says you moved, but it's a picture yeah. of you. You look just like Don Corleone. Oh, because there is, uh, that's when I auditioned for uh, for The Godfather, years and years and years ago. Right, right, okay. Right. Anyway, I don't know if it's a green suit. It is a green suit. I mean, it looks green to me. I don't know. It actually was blue, but it retarded. <laughs> you got more? This is November 12th, 2012. No, today is the 13th. Yesterday, everybody was going nuts because it, it was 12, 12, 12. Well, yeah, that's what they said, not me. I mean, yeah, good. You play, let's say you play, let's just imagine that you and I bet harness horses. Let's just imagine that. If you, on that, on that Saturday, you're not going to get any kind of a price of one, two, two, one. Cause it's going to be, it's going to be one, two, two, one, one, two. Nobody's going to play that. Alright, anyway, I just thought I'd bring that up for you. So. The, <laughs> Wow, you're really out there. What'd you have for dinner? Tonight? What did I have for dinner tonight? No, last week. No. Of course tonight. What did you have? Bacon, lettuce, and tomato sandwiches I had tonight. Bacon? I love bacon, but bacon's bad. You want to talk about You want to talk about stress and stuff? What are you doing eating bacon? You shouldn't be eating bacon. I think it's 80%, 90% fat. Yeah, well, that's all right. So am I. <laughs> I thought you were 80% water. What are we? What is the human body? You're, you're a teacher. How much water? Are we 80% water or is that the world? What? Our bodies are what percent water? Uh, uh, 90%. Wow, that's more than the world. Because the globe is only, what, 80% water? Yeah, something like that. Okay. You got another theory for us? Well, no, I have another, um, I have something now. I know you have two sons, but I have two daughters. And there's a new study as to what the five signs are that that signify that your teen could be in an unhealthy relationship. Now, the the only drawback with this um, study, and this was was printed in uh, 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 by a pediatrician, something called MD Mama, but it it has to. It's more geared towards daughters. But 
Now, oddly enough, the five points that you just mentioned described when I was, uh, you know, 12, when I was a kid growing up in Brooklyn, dis- uh, that described uh, every uh, every set of parents of my friends. <laughs> I <knew. laughs> so, I mean, you know, if you think about it, I think about, uh, forget about, uh, uh, no, forget about, but if you put that into a context of uh, a times when people did not really look into these things uh, to the extent they do now, that that is that was a great number of uh, of marriages and relationships and people that that was pretty common, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. And now we're talking about kids, so it's like don't get off to the, don't get off on the wrong foot. You'll know that there's an unhealthy relationship going on, and of course, if there is an unhealthy relationship going on, it will persist into other relationships for both parties. Correct? Yes. So what is what is it, what is a parent supposed to do? Then what happens is this: when you have the situation where one breaks up with the other one, um, they don't have the coping mechanisms to deal with it, and so they, you know, they become suicidal and they become severely depressed. And uh, they said that you know the guy that shot the two people at the mall and then killed himself, you know, yesterday or the day before, had just broken up with his girlfriend, or she broke up with him, whatever. And you know, I mean, this is a common thread. Well, but but I don't know if it's any different. The uh, history of relationships is strewn with uh, this kind of stuff, and literature, of course, has uh, uh, dramatized it, romanticized uh, uh, the uh, the cures and uh, uh, of it, and various. Why on earth are we looking at this now as something uh, new? I have a great answer for you. Why is it new? Go go. I'm in your no. I'm in your generation because we were born at a certain time. It has nothing to do with our parents. I'm in your generational. If you look at the at the way uh, relationships were back then for married couples, and and sons and daughters had to either put up with this or had to deal with this or had to see this going on in their households and so forth. They didn't do anything, did they? I mean, what, what was, it was just kind of... Trying to change these things so that we can have less of all of those things. And you're saying, now isn't it odd, but isn't it odd that uh, you would, that when we look at this in behavioral, psychologically, why would kids be having the, would, the, would kids be having this problem because they're modeling themselves after relationships they know, maybe abusive parents and stuff like that? Or did they just show up out of nowhere? I mean, you say, like, uh, the kids like this, uh, kids who have any of those particular, uh, I mean, take part in any of those particular five things or one or any combination of those, are these children coming from uh, households and relationships that are also um, uh, misappropriate or not appropriate or whatever? Could be that they don't necessarily 
in, in the parish relationship, it could be the, uh, the other extreme, that parents pay absolutely positively no attention to them and are totally obsessed with each other. And so what happens is when you have the child who has grown up in a household where they have never been or felt loved, when someone uh, starts showing them any kind of attention, they become addicted to it or they, you know, they, they, uh, they're obsessed with it. And so then when it comes to an end, they don't know what to do. So we're really going, uh, these studies are really uh, groundbreaking in a sense because uh, this is all, this is all stuff that was, I don't know if it was studied before. It must have been somehow studied or maybe just studied to be explained and not corrected. But we're really looking at, uh, we're really looking at things that are coming out of the closet because people would put a lot of this stuff, right? So scientists didn't really get into this stuff. There's no way to compare, let's say today, any kind of uh, marit- marital, is that the word? Uh, spouse abuse uh, with the, how do you compare it with what happened, say, in the 40s and 50s when, in fact, the same emotional uh, buttons are being pushed, though, according to Freudian stuff and everything, right? Exactly. But the thing is, that's why we, that's why the people read. Now, of course, you know, uh, it's difficult to collect the data. It's difficult to report the data. It's difficult to, you know, for people to be honest and answer these things and, you know, all that. But, but it's easier to collect the data when you have, um, adolescents who are in relationships and who end up in therapy and who end up, you know, attempting suicide or, you know, so you can collect all of this data now, you know, there are limitations as to what you can and can't report, you know, obviously, but, but, you know, people are interested in this now, whereas before, you know, people weren't so interested in, this was just the way it was, and that's the way you grew up, and, you know, yet some people had parents that used corporal punishment, and some had parents that didn't, and some had parents that were you know, not involved with their kids at all, and some had parents that were, and so, you know, so... But that, and that exists so, today also, um, and, but we're, but we're, what are we doing? We're bringing this to the forefront, or these studies are showing it so that people do what? I mean, if you're, I mean, if you're an abuser, if you're a male, and you're an abuser because maybe your father abused you, or your mother, whatever, or they stuck you in a closet with a raccoon when you were 10 or something. We know when they did things like, now, if you're an abuser today, you are under some kind of psychological, you're in some kind of psychological state. How is that uh, going to change? I mean, how, you know what I'm saying? If you're in the thick of this stuff. First of all, we always have to at least hope that we can change poor behavior. I mean, if, if you, if you, if you simply submit to the fact that people will not change, then you might as well not even have a field of psychology. Because the field of psychology tries to identify, for the most part, now there, it's changing a little bit, but it's starting to identify the risk factors, the behaviors, you know, things that cause adverse outcomes, and we're trying to study people physiologically, psychologically, you know, evolutionarily, is that a word? Um, to see, in fact, what may be causing them to behave the way they do so that we can either prevent it in the future or change it now. Right. Well, that's to diagnose these things. But 
um, ultimately the same uh, problems, uh, Freudian problems, are going on today. And the people who are under the influence of this stuff don't know it. I mean, isn't that why we have psychotherapy and stuff like that? And so other people have to, people have to take care of one another. Is that what you're saying? People, because some people have to, uh, you know, I mean, who gets involved in that stuff? Like, I had a guy next door. I know he's, I know he's hitting his wife's head against the wall because I could hear it and the same thing. But what is he supposed to do? I mean, what is he going to do? He said, well, I'm, I'm pretty straight. You know, I wouldn't do that to my wife, but he does it to his and I'm not getting involved, even though I've read this new study that, you know, that says, I mean, how, how do these things, you know, you know what I think it is? What? And I'm not trying to just be generalizing everything, but I think that the more educated people become, Okay. And, and I mean, I can, you can say that with, you know, smoking, for example. Mm-hmm. You know, for years and years right. and years and years, you know, there were actually positive things that were said on TV about smoking. And then all of a sudden, people start doing research on it. And you find out all these negative things and how it shortens your life and emphysema and, you know, all, all these things. And then people become educated and they say, you know what? Not smoking. So I think if you continue to, you know, publish these things and, sh- and you know, I'm sure there are parents, you know, myself included, that are always hoping that their sons or daughters are in healthy relationships and they're dating people that they enjoy and that they have fun with and that they, you know, that they care about and that care about them and treat them with respect and, you know. Is it, isn't one of the strange things about relationships, though, the fact that they themselves ignite problems. In other words, a person is fine, doesn't even know. I, I have no idea. You know, I, I went out with her, I was married, everything was fine. And you hear these stories all the time. Oh, it was fine and wonderful. Once we got married, right, something happened. Uh, relationships actually ignite certain psychological deficiencies, let's say. Well, I don't think, uh, yeah, relationships do. And I also think so does aging and so does uh, changes in philosophy and so do goals in life and so do, uh, you know, uh, dealing with your own mortality and yeah. sense of accomplishment and, you know, what you want to do with your life and where you want to go and how you're going to get there. And I mean, you know, what I think we're always becoming, I mean, I hate to use the old saying, but don't you wish, because I always do, that you knew what you know now when you were 18. That stuff, huh? Yeah. Well, I mean, don't you think that if we knew that, that we'd be better off today? I mean, well, we'd be a lot different. I, emotionally, I don't know uh, about. Uh, I don't know about. Well, you would know about all this stuff because you're in. in you're into in behavioral sciences. Has to do with learning, and like we were talking about with the gene and stuff. What we learn uh, based on the stimuli, uh, our our environment, and things like that. Uh, is going to change from person to person, from place to place. You know, uh, I saw tonight, I saw this one hour uh, uh, show from England. Uh, it was uh, Mel Brooks Strikes Back. And it was the English guy was talking and Mel Brooks was talking a lot about growing up in Brooklyn. And I love when these older guys talk about this because they grew up in a world and I grew up in that world. And it was so different that the stimuli in the environment, you know, and and he was talking about how we all just accepted uh, this stuff, uh, and, but it was so different in New York 
and then it is uh, now if you take uh, the the person who grew up in uh, uh, Columbus, Ohio, correct? Right. So uh, now that's the old nature nurture thing too. Okay, go explain, e- extrapolate on that, please. We have a genetic makeup of who we're going to be and the way we're going to be, but how it actually goes about developing certainly depends. I mean, upon your you know your parents, the amount of love you had, where you lived. What you were exposed to, what you weren't exposed to, what was acceptable, what wasn't, what, you know. He said the way Jews ate when he was growing up, the way Jews ate, and it was perfectly okay to eat this way. He said the normal, if, listen, he said the normal cholesterol was 310. <laughs> <laughs> they go to the yeah, doctor. See, yeah. Research, yeah. find out that that's not good cholesterol. They go to the doctor and he goes, you're doing fine. 310, have all the sour cream you want. You know? <laughs> and so these things change to, as you said, they do change uh, to make uh, to make life better. And obviously, uh, life, people are living longer now. Do you have any studies on that too? What, what, what has happened? I mean, we know that's happened also because politically, when everybody talks about Medicare and then, you know, old age benefits and things like that, uh, one of the problems uh, that were, that they're having uh, with these entitlement uh, programs is that nobody ever expected in the 40s when they created the like nobody expected people to have this lifespan. Right. Well, listen, I, I won't quote this whole thing here, but but you know, I, I pay very close attention to the APA.org website. Um, you know, it's my homepage. I read all the things. But it says, here, here's something that was released December the 11th, 2012. It was actually in the Chicago Tribune. Okay. And the, and the title of this is Americans Living Longer with Unhealthy Lifestyles. Wow. And it says Americans have longer but not necessarily healthier lives due to high rates of preventable con- uh, chronic disease, according to an annual report on the nation's health released on Tuesday. Gains in life expectancy contrast with Americans' unhealthy behaviors, which have led to a 28% adult obesity rate, a diabetes rate of nearly 10%, and a high blood pressure rate of more than 30%. Let's endorse this website. Tell everybody to go there and look at these things. APA.org, is that it? Right. It's the American Psychological Association's website. I think you should all make that uh, one of your favorites. And uh, just go and read, even if you don't get into the technical parts of it. That may be a good thing to look, uh, to read uh, some of the headlines, or just see some of the, get a general feel about what's happening. Right. It really is. And it does have, um, you know, uh, some of the latest studies. And, and again, you know, you, you see a study on there that you're not really interested. why that made me laugh. Wait, listen, it's amazing. That I think this is, I'm going to make this a favorite of mine. It's made me my homepage for the next three months. Right. How about C-section babies more likely to become overweight? Oh, and that's why, fascinatingly enough, they just learned about Beethoven. Did you hear about Beethoven? Okay. Being I'm being I'm being real serious now. They found out that his mother that he had a lot of trouble in uh, in birth. That his mother had a lot of trouble in in, in giving him birth, and uh, it was so so dire that they had to give her a C sharp section.
So that so you're right. These yeah. Well, you know, but you know, um, I know what you're saying. I just had to, you know you you very rarely get a chance to to to, uh, to to spit that joke out as I did. Go ahead. I like I like the stuff that goes on here. Uh, that you're talking about. So they had like things around the world. Libyans like they had like Egyptians, uh, Egyptians eat less butter, things like that. Egyptians will not put butter on their pancakes, things like that. Uh, ridiculing it. See, now you're ridiculing it. Well, I, because I ridicule everything. That's not the point. The point is I, I this is how I learned. How about in-laws may be tied to divorce risk? Did that say that? Does it have, is that on there? Yeah, it's on there. You sure you're not reading from the onion? No. Okay. Because, <laughs> Well, in-laws are always, you know, that's always such a topic for jokes. You know, my mother-in-law. Did you know Beethoven committed suicide? Did you know that? I did not know he committed suicide. I know this. Well, it was because, you know, he had chickens. And he came out one day and he walked down to feed the chickens and they were all going, bah, 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 bah. (laughs) I, I know one thing. If he shot himself, he didn't hear it. I thought, I thought you were going there. Bok, bok, bok. That's cute. Yeah, that's just a and clean, I don't like clean using word joke. But anyway, uh, this website. APA.org. We're going to all make this, not, if not our home pages, we're going to look. The, so it has a whole bunch of things like. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. And then see, you know, and it has all the stories. And again, the thing is, it, the good thing about it is it gives you like a, a main, uh, you know, heading. And, and, then, and then you can either. Read it or not. Bedroom TVs boost kids' risk of fat and disease. Wow. Why? Because they don't pick them up and move them around? <laughs> <laughs> you carry that in every night and out. That's your exercise. Well, I like it. Read some more of these. Read some more of these pieces. Well, I know you have to go soon, but here was the, the last study that I... Okay, do the last study you have to do. We got, we got, uh, uh, we got uh, a bunch of minutes. Go ahead. You know, I, 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 at a, at a level, I can't even understand. I understand that. I mean, I can't explain. At a level, I understand that. I guess because I, I've always been a create a, a child. I don't want to say a creative child. I've always been a child who has had an affinity for those types of things. Right. And God knows, whoever he or she is, or what it is, that uh, I've never looked at the world with any great. I've uh, uh, never looked at anybody or any uh, with any great uh, joy, or uh, you know. So uh, uh, well, that's something. Now, what do they have? They have studies of this. If you read that story, does it say thirteen thousand children were uh, were uh, uh, studied or what? How do they back it up? Well, I mean, how do they back they back it up? Oh, forget about those depressed kids. We're moving on now. What is this? Being a parent. What? Having children. What about having children? It, it, the, the research has shown that it, it, will, it, it enhances your ability to live a longer life. I'm going to, I'm going to suggest something to you personally, even though we're on the air here now. Have you seen the movie version of the play The Gods of Carnage? No. Okay. I want you... 
because I need you to talk to me about this. I, I've seen it twice now. The movie's called Carnage, just Carnage. It's a, you got to see this because this is right, right up your alley. It is a, uh, uh, it's a play. It was a play, a very big play on uh, Broadway. And it's a French, originally a French play. And it's about two families and how they react and deal with one another uh, based on the fact that one of their children, that their two children got into a physical uh, uh, confrontation. That's all that goes on. It's now playing on various, uh, you know, on-demand things and Comcast. Oh, you can get it anywhere you can get it. I want you to see that. Maybe you could come back and we can talk about that because it's a it's a fascinating uh, study. It's only a study. It's like two hours and just people. Uh, John C. Riley's in it and uh, Kate Winslet and uh, John Riley and uh, I said that and Jodie Foster. Please, okay. please look. Please find. I mean, you'll love it. You will love it. Uh, you know, on top of everything else. Okay. Will you do that? Because we, I want to know about child behavior. and You'll just see it. I don't have to explain it to you, for God's sake. You. I'm going to give you a suggestion for a movie. Go. Have you seen um, Temple Grandin? To what? I don't even hear. I can't even hear that. Is that English? What did you just say? Yeah, Temple. Temple? T-M-P-L-E. Yeah. The last name was Grandin. D D R A G R A N D I N Grandin. No. Uh, well, yeah, it's it's a, it's a you know it's a psychological movie about a girl born back in the early sixties who actually had autism and they thought she had you know it was always misdiagnosed as childhood schizophrenia or whatever. Oh, okay. I'll make a promise to you. I will find and watch Temple Grandin. You get Carnage. Roman Polanski uh, directed and co-wrote the version on screen. Would you do that for me? Speaking of pedophiles. No, that's not fair. <laughs> that Dr. Gary Popoli now has to uh, leave for this time. And next time he comes, I'm going to talk about, uh, he's going to talk about Temple Grandin. So there's your homework, my friends, my comrades. Go out there and, do that and, and go see... Go see. Find Temple Grandin. Find the movie Carnage. And then uh, Gary's going to come back and give us uh, psychological profiles. And we're going to talk because you'll say, oh, my goodness. You're gonna, I'm telling you what's going to happen to you when you see this. You're going to tell all your kids, and they're not kids, all the people you teach to go see it. I guarantee you. All right. All right. Thank you again. And we will. you and I will talk. I know you say I won't because I won't call you, but we will. We'll, 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 have, we'll duke it out, you and I, okay? Thanks a lot again, and everybody thanks you. Dr. Gary Popley, good night. Bye. Once again, what can I say? The guy's like, the guy's terrific, and, and he, he, I'm just never going to let you hear the messages that he leaves me. <laughs> Other than that, I, I don't know what's going to happen with that. Once again, we've made it through Y2K Plus 12 here at Total Chronicles. My name is Frank Atola. Thanks again to Dr. Gary Popoli, who is always a source of entertainment education 
and enjoy it. I don't know. Whatever you want. You you do judge it. I'm not judging it. We will be back uh, next week and then the week after that. And the week after that, of course, mark it down. It's the roll call from the Bone Garden with the Artist D. In the meantime, in between time, go to uh, Facebook. If you want to download the show. And those of you who don't uh, have the, uh, uh, the capacity... Well, I mean, even affiliates, anybody can do it. It'll be up there shortly, and you'll be able to do that. And then we'll be back next week. I don't know what we'll be back with next week. Something else, no doubt, exciting and entertaining and or whatever, okay? Uh, good night, Mrs. Ernstwile, wherever you are. I'll leave this on now. Think about it. Think about it. Just think about it. Think. I'm leaving. I have nothing more to say.